<laughs> people, which is standard, but of course, welcome to this month, the month of August Coffee Chat. We're happy to have you all watching, and of course, we're happy to have a lot of interesting people here today, too. I, of course, am Justin. I'm the organizer of the Monero Community Work Group, and Today, during this, def, def, uh, during this coffee chat, we're going to be reminiscing about how awesome, uh, or just discussing how awesome uh, DEF CON was this year. It happened about a week ago, and there were a lot of interesting developments that we can cover. Uh, so, of course, to begin with, we'll do recommendations. Hopefully, we can get people to stay online while they're, uh, while they're introducing themselves. Um, so, Aaron, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, so I am Aaron. I go by Sarang from the Research Lab. And I was uh, at DEF CON kind of representing MRL and answering uh, questions for people. And I gave it a little talk too. Sweet, thanks, Aaron. OK, um, Binary Fate. Hello, yeah, uh, core team member. I was also at DEF CON, so uh, happy to uh, discuss uh, how it went. Awesome, Diego. I'm Diego. I didn't make it to DevCon, unfortunately, but I'd be happy to contribute whatever I can to that conversation. <laughs> Did your nose grow a little bit after saying that? No, no. Okay, so I, I was there. You guys caught me. I'll try to be as um, opsec-y as possible so nobody would know. But yeah, I, I, I tried my best. <laughs> All right, uh, need money. Uh, are you able to jump in here? Yeah, uh, DEF CON was great. Uh, I hung around, met a lot of new people, uh, especially the Monero Research Lab. That was fantastic. I actually got to put a uh, face to the names. So uh, overall, fantastic events. Uh, if any of you have never been to a cryptocurrency meetup with people that you've hung out with for the past couple of years, do it. Uh, yeah, it's a head twister. Uh, you, you get to see all the personalities and realize why they chat like that online. It was, of course, great to see. So far, everyone we have here, we've seen, we've all, we, we all were at DEF CON. This is great. Um, all right, totally not endogenic. Can you introduce yourself? Maybe. Okay. Looks like that's not happening. Hopefully, they'll be able to. He said, he said he's going to observe, but that he can't get his mic to work, right? Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. All right. Well, he's here. Uh, yeah, we, can, we can relay through IRC. So. And they just disconnected. All right, so I'm sure that they can introduce themselves while we get back on. So uh, let's, I guess, first start with setting the stage with DEF CON because that's still at the top of my mind because it was so awesome. Um, so Technically, DEF CON was kind of around between Thursday and Sunday. Our village was formally open on Friday to Sunday, but we were informally open on Thursday to hand things out and answer questions and get people started with a specific challenge token. Speaking of which, I'll go grab that in a second while someone else is talking so I can show it for the camera. We can even show off some of the, the, the bling, some of the, the hardware <laughs> badges that we had. Um, but yeah, we had three full days. Oh, I guess Sunday was two full days and one half day of talks. Uh, there were a, a lot of content that was produced. All of it was recorded and all of it will be uploaded. We're kind of at the mercy of DEF CON 
but as soon as it's uploaded, um, I have a friend that'll give me access to the files that they upload, so I should get those published as soon as I can. I'll have to read into the license to see how much I can share that um, until they make it fully public. But um, we, we have all these events recorded. I think it's a great opportunity. We essentially had an opportunity. Thank you, Aaron. We'll show that in a bigger screen in a second while you talk. Um, but we basically had, like, in a way, it was almost like a Monero conference, at least within the village. We had so many talks. We had so many opportunities for people to speak about whatever they were interested in. And it was just great to meet everyone here. Um, it's just fantastic to have so many people from the Monero community all in one place. And I'm not even talking about the party or anything that uh, had <laughs> all those discussions with, like, Mashable apparently wrote an article about how over the top it was that I didn't notice, but I'm kind of an idiot sometimes with that perspective. Um, but overall, I had a blast. Um, it was out of Caesar's Palace. It was also out of Flamingo. Honestly, I spent all of DEF CON in the Monero Village. I didn't really stray too much out. I'm curious if anyone else had a different perspective here. Um, but it was awesome. Um, so I'm going to hand it back to Aaron for the sake of breaking up my rant. Who wants to talk and show off some of the badges that we got with the Monero Village? Oh, yeah. So there was like this big challenge that they had based on these coins. It had this crazy bling badge that you could like have large emojis and skulls on it and play snake and stuff. I don't win one. But we had other Monero badges the hardware team made up. A little Cylon light going on there. Also a programmable NFC tag. I know people were going to try to put their hotel keys and stuff on it, but, you know, at the very least, lights up. Cylon style. Yeah, so that's that's the, the fancy one, or actually, that's the one that looks that fancy. fancy. It's a fake fancy yeah. one. Yeah, it's it's literally just orange sharpie that color. Aaron, that. Aaron, you didn't get one of those uh, cryptography badges. What the? Uh, oh, you mean the the big challenge giveaway ones? Yeah. Oh, there it is up there. No, I didn't solve the challenge. I didn't have time to work it. Yeah, I'm gonna Dude, speak just uh, like so people the, the, see this. The speakers were supposed to get one. What? Yeah, <laughs> you got gypped, dude. Well, I got, got I got screwed. a little, I got a little Cylon badge. <laughs> Man, I love those. Come on, Pete. Sorry. I'll, I'll show you mine. Uh, you should have told me that. I would have felt, I would have felt left out. Whatever. I got a cool light up badge. Makes me yeah. happy. So this is the even cooler. Aaron did not get one light up badge. Yeah, turn that on. <laughs> and um, you had to solve one of these one of these token challenges. They're double-sided. There's some information on both. In order to get one, or else you had to speak. And if you spoke, you got to get one of these. It does like a ton of stuff. Um, they're like incredibly bright. Let me find where the power is. Hmm. I, I don't know. Well, apparently mine's broken. It wasn't like yesterday. So in any case, you can do a lot of things. You can do two-player snake, you can do Tetris. These were a great way to get people interactive, especially the first few days when we're like, well, we don't really have talks, but you can do this challenge token. <laughs> it basically came down to the fact that like we were kind of open as in the doors were open the night before, and we were the only ones with the doors open. So hundreds of people streamed in, and we became popular by default. So popular by default is a cool option. It really was popular by default. Yeah, there we go. Private by default, popular by default. 
it, it was a really interesting experience to be open that that first Thursday. So like DefCon, I, it, it kind of starts, kind of doesn't on Thursday, and, and somebody just left the door open. So everyone that was just wandering around, just like, oh, we saw the door open, so we just kind of wandered in. We gave out, we gave, like basically all the T-shirts that Because brought were basically gone. <laughs> before the before Friday, uh, all of our challenge tokens, all of our every like everything was just gone. That before that De- before De- our village even started, it was so funny. We had we had so many good conversations. It, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a blast, and it was great to have a lot of people hang out. And I think there were a few uh, convinced people. I don't want to say converts, but you know there were a few convinced people about um, fungibility and privacy and. And Monero in general, and and it, you know it, it really is interesting how in the security and privacy community, how something like Monero still has a name that some people kind of shrink from just because we are so secure and so private and so anonymous, you know what I'm saying? And and so kind of it, it's funny to have to um, challenge those ideas and and. Uh, talk about fungibility and why it's important to even some of these people and even then sometimes they're not convinced they're like yeah but you know these people who should know better about security and privacy and how hard it is to get right and how, why it's important then you start showing them well bitcoin is uh, transparent and ethereum is transparent and all this different type of stuff they're like yeah but this and this and this and this i'm like you guys of all people should know better but they don't and so I don't know. I, I, that was one of the most interesting things to me about DefCon is that people who should know better just for some reason don't apply the same critical thinking to things like Bitcoin and other uh, cryptocurrency projects. I but at the same time, I think it was a I think it was a really good sign that some of our talks ended up being standing room only, and then we had to start turning people away. And so I think even some people who may not have fully understood it at least got a chance to learn a lot more. I think, that, I think that was a really good sign. And if anything, I think it says that we need to do this again and have a bigger room. And I think it'd go even better next time. They were originally going to give us two rooms. One what first. Are we have a privacy conference? Sorry? Uh, when are we going to have a Monero-sponsored privacy conference? So I know that there's kind of been talk about trying to organize a conference uh, that's Monero-specific. Um, I mean, maybe not Monero specific, but, you know, just privacy specific. That would be, you know, probably mainly attended by Monero people and people who are interested in it. I know part of the issue was trying to work out, you know, how to basically how to manage like the liability of everything and how to get it funded correctly. So that, you know, you're within the law if you have it in the United States, for example. Um, and I, I know the planning is going on for that. And I think the goal has kind of informally been that it'd be neat to have something next summer if we could. But, you know, don't quote anybody on that. So there has been, there, I know there's been some interesting folks who want to like help out getting it funded and, and, you know, trying to handle some of the logistics that kind of get annoying to do in a distributed way. Looking forward to speaking with you guys more, Justin. Um, let's make a work group. Yeah. So I, I think at the moment magic has been handling a lot of that organization. Um, but I are happy to probably open that up. Uh, we're, we're just at the stage now where it's still, like the conversation you just heard is basically what our current state is. <laughs> yeah, people saying, wouldn't it be nice to do a conference? And we're like, yeah, that'd be great. I like the idea of having something that's both a conference and also like a social event. I like how we had the like the Monero party and then the different gatherings uh, afterwards between people in the Monero community. I think people who organize good conferences know that it's just as much about having spaces outside of formal events. And that that's where a lot of interesting, interesting talks happen, and a lot of even a lot of interesting work happens. 
So I think that would be very important. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for the relaxed environment of people just kind of hanging out and brainstorming and, you know, even over a few beers or drinks or something is uh, you kind of get the productivity going and thinking in new ways. And there's there, there's a sense there's a sense of camaraderie that is just unparalleled. Like even just as so, you know, DefCon being the example, going there and just seeing so many people, and there's just a huge morale boost. Even even going home, actually going home was where the morale started to go down for me because it's like, how am I supposed to go back? to this IRC text only garbage environment when it's like we were we were all together smiling laughing having a great time talking about this type of stuff you know how how are you supposed to go back after that type of thing and then you're like you know let, let's just let's just be centralized that's that's the way we need to be and but you know we can't do it because we're stupid cypherpunk idiots or something so you're telling me that we should open up an office space in like one area and we should all take it <laughs> something, something like that. We're to buy out a community. We have a lot of richies here uh, in the Monero community. So they should just buy out a neighborhood somewhere and then we just all move there. What could go wrong? Wait, is this going to be like a Truman show, but for the Monero community? We'll be recording all your transactions. Well, it'd, be an, it'd be an interesting idea to have like a... I mean, at some point in the f far distant future to have like a crypto citadel or something where there's, you know, a certain, uh, I think that we might move from more centralized sort of uh, human organization structures to maybe more decentralized uh, faction or, or feudal sort of societies. And so I can see a, an era where crypto billionaires uh, basically buy out entire swaths of land and create their own kind of local communities. That's a bit in the future, though. No, so like, isn't uh, isn't isn't that kind of going on in uh, Puerto Rico right now? Where you just, I mean, it's not necessarily they're buying out whole communities, but there's a bunch of uh, people that got rich off of crypto that went to Puerto Rico and they're setting up kind of their own community from the ground up, and then kind of making it super cryptocurrency friendly type thing. But I heard this was going on. I read an article somewhere. Yeah, but do, do you have pretty... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Jeremy. You're muted, Jeremy. No, Jeremy. No, no. <laughs> Stupid, I was mute. Um, yeah, I think it's mostly for tax reasons that they are trying in Puerto Rico right now. And the, the Citadel ID was discussed even a few years back by early Bitcoiners dreaming of uh, gathering together in Citadels. And the, the idea would be that it, it was mostly for their personal safety. And honestly, I truly hope that we don't need to get there. It, it, it sounds like a dystopian society where the rich have to keep themselves safe from the poor. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's kind of creepy. <laughs> oh, it might not even be dystopian if you think of just it, and not even so much even crypto related, just future technologies with automation and artificial intelligence and localized manufacturing. Uh, there's a number of different technologies that would make it. Uh, I would provide an incentive for having this sort of structure. I think. I don't know. I think it depends on your general point of view. I've spoken to people that are have generally positive views of people going to Puerto Rico. I have people that have pretty negative views of people going to Puerto Rico. And ultimately, it's, it's, it's kind of a weird case, too, because you need to remind them that they're trying to avoid U.S. taxes, which is why they're going to Puerto Rico, right? Um, but as they go to Puerto Rico, they're paying Puerto Rican taxes that they otherwise would not have paid. So yes, it benefits the individual, 
Technically, it also kind of benefits Puerto Rico, even if they're being snobbish and arrogant about it. Um, I don't especially Brock Pierce. <laughs> yeah, especially a few people that have been a little bit more outspoken of their reasons why they're going to Puerto Rico and don't care about anything other than the tax savings. So, I don't know. I think it's nice to talk about how, oh, we could all like be together and it's great to be around like-minded people. Generally, it's great to be able to spend time with so many people at conferences. Uh, I don't imagine that they're just gonna, we're all just gonna relocate in one area as appealing as this might be as, as directly after a conference. Yeah. Well, to be honest, it's true that it was like super positive and useful for motivation. It was great. Uh, this sense of camaraderie all together. I think we were all a bit sad when we left. Like personally, I was missing all of you guys like just the day after. Um, but on the other hand, I'm sure if we were living together, it would be a nightmare and I would hate most of you after oh, a couple of oh, weeks. Yeah. So. Never, never become roommates with, a, with your friend because then so it's a, you, you know, be I, I think. It's a good middle ground that we just uh, make sure to organize regular events where whoever wants to show up and, and meet the others uh, can do so. Yeah, I there's a certainly a good balance. Uh, I, I moved to California for a bit to, to hang out with someone else in, uh, in the Monero community. And um, I don't know about their thoughts on privacy and stuff, so I won't say that who that is. But uh, that was an interesting experience because I got the chance to, to learn from them quite a bit. and. Uh, you know, being being in closer proximity to someone in the Monero community who knows quite a bit um, does provide a higher bandwidth of communication. Where, I, like, I could I learned a lot in that period. And but it, yeah, living living together with someone uh, can be can be a problem over the long term. But that, that doesn't scale to twenty persons. <laughs> That's the problem. Hey, so as far as the MRL goes, what what are the uh, latest things that the MRL is researching? Because there were a ton of interesting things that came up at the conference. Do you want to like give us an overview? Yeah, I mean, so so bulletproofs were kind of the big thing. We've been working on optimizations and you know tweaks and fixes from the reviews that have come through, um, and all the reviews are done. So two of them are up. Uh, Kudelski is already up, and Benedict Bunces is already up on um, up on the research GitHub. And I can link that elsewhere uh, in the channels too. Um, Quarks Lab, theirs is done and has been provided to us. They just need to do a few kind of final edits and tweaks to them. To They want to include things that we've done as responses. And then once that's kind of cleared for their for public release by them, um, then we'll put it up. Do you, to, do you want to talk about some of the interesting ideas you had? I think that's a great question that Need Money asked. Like any interesting thoughts that were introduced at the conference um, or interesting people such as the Kandelsky person that you, you met at the conference? Um, yeah, actually, so we did. Um, so we met uh, some folks who were do working on the audits and we talked a little bit about, you know, kind of the process that they went through. It's kind of neat to kind of get in their heads about, about what the process is like on that. Um, otherwise, I think a lot of what we talked about is kind of going through overviews of things that we've been kind of piecemeal working on a little bit. So, I mean, sublinear ring signatures, that's always been a big thing since ring signatures are the devil. So schemes for that are very much, they're always, they're still very, very, very much in their infancy. And we're kind of just testing things out to see what it would take, you know, to keep ring signatures in some way, but try to do a little bit better job of, of kind of compressing them. Um, and interestingly, one proposal for sublinear ring signatures has the possibility and option for an integrated range proof which if we were to go to that someday and we have no plans to do this, it would actually negate the need for bulletproofs altogether. 
because it basically the yeah the whole idea is it, it provides a semi-general language that you can express statements in, and one of the statements is a range proof. That sounds awesome. Yeah, so I mean, again, it all depends, right? Who knows? Maybe something, maybe some other broader zero knowledge system will come up, and we can move away from ring signatures altogether. Who the hell knows? So that's kind of one thing that's been on our minds: um, an analysis of ring size and churn behavior. So Brandon's been working a bit more on that specifically, um, and we're getting some results out. Basically, saying you know, if we choose to go to a fixed ring size um, for the next upcoming network upgrade, you know, do we have a good justification for why we want to do that, and do we have a good justification for what size we want to make it? So obviously, in terms of just pure anonymity set, bigger ring size is better. So that's good. But we want to be able to say, does it make sense to go from you know seven to eleven, for example? You know, versus do we get limited benefits from getting to that point, or you know, would we have to go to something like sixty or a hundred before we started seeing substantial benefits? So that um, looking at things like targeted poisoned outputs, you know, so a, a government does a targeted purchase with you and then looks at exchange records later on to kind of see the tree of transactions that progressed. Um, a lot of that stuff gets into heuristics, you know, where you can't necessarily prove something about a transaction, but you're like. The behavior about this transaction tree looks fishy to me, so what can I do with that? Those are really, really tough problems because heuristics are not you know, inherently a mathematical statement. So saying what would an adversary look for in a transaction is a really, really tough thing to examine. Um, so will we all get the exact answers we want about that? Probably not. That's something that we'd have to move entirely away from ring signatures to even start to address. So unfortunate, but you know, it's kind of the way it is. Um, bulletproofs are an example of a more general zero knowledge framework, but you know they just don't give us quite the scaling that we want, unfortunately. So, Going. I remember that was one of the concerns uh, that was expressed quite recently. Is like we, the, some community members, would prefer harder proof in terms of the, especially since September October is coming up sooner rather than later. Uh, you know, so it, obviously we can't indefinitely delay bulletproofs in the next hard fork until we have just everything we want set in stone. But just the idea that, you know, uh, we, we're hoping to have harder numbers, more proof for the ring size that we're choosing. And even, even though pretty much everyone is sure that fixed ring size is going to be nothing but a positive, like what about... Well yeah, I mean, it, it, and honestly, it is like ring fixed ring size is is a good idea. It's moving to a fixed one is a very good idea. Um, moving to a bigger ring size does provide you better anonymity sets. The question of does it provide you better and does it provide you enough better anonymity when combined with certain churn behavior under the assumption of a very very targeted like state attack? You know, that's those are those are much are much bigger questions. I don't think those questions necessarily affect the decision that we make right now. Um, I mean, for example, moving to a bigger ring size and, you know, a fixed ring size, if we all agree that that is, you know, the way to go, um, then kind of coupling that with the data that we have on what fees are going to do, so what transaction size and time are going to do, which has been done already, says that we can increase to a ring size of 11 and still basically hit the targets that we wanted to for transaction fee reduction and transaction size. So from that perspective, it makes sense. A lot of what we really want to get out, if we can, is just kind of some best practices about specifically how that interacts with churn behavior. And of course, churn is something that you just do locally as a user. It's not a consensus issue. You can send funds to yourself as many times as you want. You know, we can't know. We don't really care. Do whatever you want. Um, but the question of if I do a lot of churn really rapidly, for example, does that stick out to you know an adversary? 
Um, does it provide enough diffusion of funds that it doesn't matter to an adversary? Those are questions that I think are much broader ones that we're getting toward answers on. But I don't think that they really necessarily influence the decisions that we want to make today uh, about uh, where to go with ring size necessarily. Hopefully that kind of answers the question. So. In line with churning behavior and such, one of the things that came up in the conference that I found pretty surprising uh, was with regards to tainted outputs and how if, say, a government or an exchange or adversary, whatever, um, created a, a list of, say, like tainted outputs that they could effectively blacklist uh, any, any transaction that was associated with that tainted output and any future rings. Um, and that would mean that churning would actually propagate those uh, tainted outputs throughout the entire output pool. And so I think we would need some sort of um, kind of pushback way to have some, some uh, we kind of discussed this earlier in person, um, having some way to generate effectively clean outputs that can be churned with together uh, as a preventative measure against that. Yeah, Ziyaga, you, you basically just explained churning. <laughs> um, like if you have an output that is considered tainted, um, the only way for them to effectively enforce that is by having control over the network verification and block propagation. Um, basically, mm -hmm. say, we block all transactions that touch this output. Um, if you're uh, uh, a large exchange, let's just use Coinbase as an example, even though they don't accept Monero yet. But um, <laughs> um, so just use them as an example. If they were to say we're not going to accept any transactions that include this output in the ring, what you can do is just like if you have that output, you just send money to yourself, you make new outputs, and then you send that money to Coinbase. So it fans out. There's, there's still, it's still connected. The outputs are still connected because, it, I mean, Need Money can explain this better, but it, it's yeah. a it directed acyclic graph. Like the outputs well, are still connected. So, so this, so this is this is basically the the fund one of the fundamental problems that the idea of a ring signature was intended to prevent. Basically, saying that if 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 everyone can include a tainted output just by saying that they randomly included it as part of the protocol, you know, then then the idea was that that would increase censorship resistance because it would be impractical to say, well, you know, we can't just deny all transactions because they happen to include this output in there. You know, like if an exchange did want to say, fine no tainted outputs can ever appear in the entire history. We can't stop them from doing that. And, you know, I think that that would basically, I mean, that's, that's one way to basically tank the ability to accept anything. Right. And this is, and this is the, this is the argument against it is that like, Oh, well by this just means that all of the outputs would be tainted. So therefore they might as well just blacklist the entire coin. But the, the kind of counter argument to that counter argument is, well, then the exchange could just say, Hey, if you show us your view key and prove that your output was not the tainted output in this ring signature, then we will accept your deposit. So the problem there is sometimes there's, there's like several transactions in a chain and realistically people like like every transaction is not a churn transaction people actually transact among different parties so you can provide the view key for the information that you do have but suppose there's like six levels of separation between the output they're concerned about Reason I, I think this is a better conversation to have on the mrl irc channel um like okay. for, at, at a later point we can we can discuss this and talk more about community stuff right now and and i and, and I, think, I think a lot of the discussions involving things like tainted outputs and exchanges, a lot of that ends up coming down to interactions with regulated exchanges. You know? and, and a lot of it comes down to the whole argument of, well, if you're giving a regulated exchange all this information about you, you know, maybe you're not practicing good OPSEC anyway. 
you know, interactions with, with, you know, between individuals and groups that choose to just follow the protocol, which is what this is all about, don't really experience any of these problems. I guess my concern would be a, a user with clean coins or non-tainted outputs churning, and through the process of churning, a say a tainted output was then included into their ring uh, member for that churning process. And then at the end of that churning process, they just want to you know do that for their own privacy, uh, and then go to you know deposit into an exchange, and then the exchange saying, hey, sorry, but uh, we see here that through the process of churning, whatever one of these tainted outputs that we have blacklisted. Is, has been included as a ring signature in your transaction. So you either need to provide us with the view key to prove that that wasn't actually you, or we don't accept your deposit. I mean, that's that would be that would be a very interesting occurrence if that were to happen. Um, hmm. I mean, ultimately, that's kind of a risk anyway with ring signatures, even with a single transaction. Um, well, well, it, it, it is, but the view key thing still occurs. Right. Even if you don't, even if you don't churn, you know, you just choose to send money just because you choose to do that, right? Even if you're not churning whatsoever, you know, you're still depending on the, you know, how many outputs end up being tainted in the pool and when you end up choosing, and you know, you may include that in the signature already. The idea of having to provide the view key on that is is an interesting approach. And, and I guess I'm not really. I guess I'm not really sure what an exchange would end up doing, and like what their policies would end up being. And maybe this is part of why, you know, a lot some big regulated exchanges have said that they have issues with some of these privacy coins from a regulatory perspective. You'd have to have some. You know, it'd have to be at the wallet level that the wallet would have to be selecting outputs that don't include these blacklisted coins. But then you'd have to have some sort of, um, you know, uh, the, the the wallet would have to be working kind of in conjunction with the exchanges and governments in order to you know, that they have the same blacklist. Uh, and then that kind of gets into the issue of, well, is it is it censorship resistant at that point? Because then the governments are then deciding what coins are blacklisted, and then the wallets are then kind of going along with that. I mean, that's almost kind of a kind of self-censorship, right? Where it, that, that would basically be the community just kind of choosing to go along with desired censorship that would come from, you know, from outside. Regulatory you know, I think, compliance. Yeah, I mean, I, and and I know that you know, as 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 I think a lot of kind of chaff projects kind of get washed out, and as a lot of other projects like ours mature over time, I think we're going to need to start having some more of these honest discussions about you know what, what it's going to take for practical usage. You know, if we end up getting listed on some kind of regulated exchange, you know, what that's going to end up meaning for that exchange and for our users and for us if we start getting groups that are starting to indicate that they're going to want to do policies like this. So I think those are definitely good discussions we're having on it. Um, and and to, to answer the question, I think it still is censorship resistant because the pro, at the protocol level, it still is. A, a wallet implementation, even if all of the wallet implementations choose to blacklist stuff, somebody can still make a wallet that doesn't blacklist that stuff and it will the protocol will accept it. So because it's not on the protocol. We'll make a Monero mixer. It's point. all censorship resistant. That's a good point, Diego. No, I, I need money. He, he, if, just to make sure everyone heard, he mentioned we can make him a narrow mixer. <laughs> and there are definitely thoughts, honestly, for like a sidechain solution where either you run a Tumblebit, either run Tumblebit or uh, like a ZK snark on a sidechain to help um, potentially have like an external entropy set that 
Yeah, you'd, you'd have two partitions DAGs on the network, and you could swap between them, and there'd be a higher and a lower value. That would break our fungibility, I think. But that's that's a discussion for another day. The concept of a Monero mixer is just a bit weird. <laughs> but but you know, but it, but at the same time, if we were to talk about off-chain solutions, part of the whole point about off-chain solutions is to give users who want you know more options with what how they want to manage their funds, you know, can kind of do that management on their own. I think it's in some sense it's giving users choice, and it would create two two potentially uh, market two two different markets. Let's say of like non tainted Monero be... outputs and tainted Monero outputs, but people could still effectively like trade those like tainted Monero outputs on a secondary market outside of the you know normal exchanges and such. Yeah, yeah. So so some kind of zero coin implementation on the side chain. So that way you burn you burn tainted Monero and, and mint new new Monero. <laughs> let's just let's implement all of the existing technologies into As Monero. Yes, and then I mean just... I mean I mean I mean I don't know. You know I think I think the zero coin <laughs> protocol has it has its issues, but I mean I think it's a cool protocol. So you're you're to, just to be just to clarify, you're saying zero coin, not zero cash. Yeah, 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 and not Zcash. Yeah. All three are different things, but all three should be on their own chain. And so to effectively churn, you send to every single side chain before you reconcile yeah. back to the Monero chain. Well, and, then... and actually, actually related to that, I talked to one of the guys, I think it was from Pivx, who was talking about some work that they were doing to remove the, the trusted setup part of their accumulator, which, is a, which was a really intriguing proposal. And I said, where's the paper? And he said, oh, we're developing it in secret and we'll eventually release the paper. Yeah, made me which made which made me sad, and I told him specifically. I was like, "The community will not like to hear that, and I don't like to hear that." So he's like, "What do you think?" I was like, "I don't think anything about it yet until you release the damn paper." But you know what? But you know what? But but for me, you know, it kind of went along the same thinking. You know, I was like, "If we if there's a if there's a you know a trustless zero coin protocol that lets you do interesting things, you know, then would it make sense to eventually run a side chain implementation of that?" Like I don't know. I think it's an intriguing thing to look at. Provided that you know we can do it in line with, you know, our privacy and anonymity desires. It's a cool protocol. It'd be cooler if they could do it without trust, and they they claim that they want to do that. So, I will look forward to that paper. All right. So, um, I guess backing up a little bit, how about we just talk about one or two of the best best parts of DEF CON that we ex really experienced? So, um, I'll go first because I'm talking. Um, so first. Um, I was standing a lot at the Monero Research Lab booth, especially with, with Aaron. We were speaking with a lot of people, uh, especially the first few days. We were essentially the, the first table you, you reached, and so we got a lot of questions about what Monero is, um, like what VCAUSE is, which we only could slightly answer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but, um, I felt bad not being able to answer that accurately. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> But um, like, it was it was because it's a kind of sandwich, maybe yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but it was great to have all these conversations with people. It was great to see generally what was more convincing than what wasn't. It was great to be honest with people too, because we weren't trying to sell people on anything, but we were just trying to give them a comprehensive overview of Monero, hand out our flyers and stickers, and all the other things we're trying to give away. And I think it was a lot of that was a lot of fun for me. It was great to experience such wide levels of um such wide levels of knowledge some people would show up and be like okay i'm familiar with zcash 
tell me what the pros and cons of Monero are and you'd be like, okay, I'll be as unbiased as possible as, as I realistically can be and let's talk about this. And I've had a lot of great conversations there. And I've, I've definitely had these conversations before at different meetups, but it was just so interesting to have such a hacker-oriented audience and have so many people there constantly. You basically had three full days of conversations. It was pretty incredible. And everyone had their own sort of viewpoint. We had discussions on proof of work, proof of stake. We had discussions on bulletproofs. We had discussions on ring signatures and stealth addresses, all of the above. And it was just a really great time. And then I'm going to put Aaron on the spot here because I re the second thing I really appreciated was his talk. It was given probably the worst time, um, Sunday at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. on a Sunday. And uh, I asked, like, who went to the party last night? And, like, one person raised their hand. And I said, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I would say Aaron's presentation was fantastic. I can't wait for all of you to watch it. Um, it, was, it was really frank. It really talked about complicated topics in a thorough yet really – understandable way, even if you only had some knowledge of Bitcoin and overall, Aaron, I think it was just fantastic. It started okay. off with, you know, the, the more reasonable discussions about uh, zero coin, zero cash and uh, Monero. And then it talked in a verge in the end to, to mix it up a little bit, to give a, an example of what not to do. Um, yeah, but basically, I thought it was really great. Cool. Yeah, and I think it's important for us to talk about, you know, pros and cons about the approach to what we do. You know, we make decisions about the technology we want to include, and that provides great benefits for our users. But as we've seen, for example, with like ring signatures, that introduces real consequences. And I think it's important that users understand those consequences. And then we can talk about Verge, which makes us all feel much better about our choices. Yeah, it cannot be understated. Uh, definitely Ring's talk was, in my opinion, the best talk that was given at the uh, at DevCon, and hopefully it's up soon so you guys can see it. I I learned things. Everyone learned things except for like uh, SGP, who knows everything already. So, uh, but uh, for everyone else, it's a great resource and fantastic talk, dude. It was for me. It was it was the it was one of the highlights. But but to kind of answer SGP's question, like what? So can I talk, SGP? Like what what, yeah, what were some of my uh, thingies? Yeah. Um. So so to parrot what you said on one thing. Uh, the, the conversations with a lot of new people were, were fantastic for me. So uh, there was a couple of people, uh, this one girl took, pulled me aside and we, we went outside the village to talk because it was pretty noisy inside the village. And, and it shows, she was just giving me some really good, good things to think about of people whose core values may not be uh, things like maximum decentralization, but maybe things like the planet. And for those people, you know, just coming to the understanding that proof of work just will not work for them. Uh, even though, in my opinion, proof of work has a not just a cryptographic reason to exist, but then a, uh, a an economic reason to exist, as it gives a, a lower bound tying the value a currency to entropy in some way, which is scary. Um, but these people, uh, they at their that's not their core value. Those aren't their core values, and so. Even having the, uh, the, the understanding and the empathy to agree to disagree in that scenario, and that's fine, and that's totally okay. You know, that, 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 was, a, that was a great one that kind of came out organically and naturally uh, throughout that conversation. So the conversation were off sense for one. Uh, seeing all the people, I mean, the, the, I think that's just going to go without saying, seeing all you, you losers. It was fantastic. But uh, one of the other big things, I think for me, 
was that that was very enjoyable, frustrating but enjoyable. Was just how chaotic our village was, and it uh, there, there's a sense of pride and a sense of shame at the same time. It's it, there's a sense of pride there because it shows that we we don't have it all together and we are and that has pros and cons to it. Uh, everything doesn't just flow together magically and perfectly. Um, and day of there was issues. Then day two there was issues. The day before was issues. Heck, there was issues that we just got wrapped up since, like, just got wrapped up yesterday. And DefCon ended quite some time ago. So, um, uh, and so that that was that sense of pride. But then there was also that sense of shame there. Like, we can do things better. And it's not a bad shame. It's a shame that drives you forward and and pushes you onward and say, okay, we can do better next time. Uh, we can always do better. Where can we do better? How can we do better? Uh, and so kind of identifying those things. So the chaos of the village was, it, it was charming to me. And it was, it was a lot of fun that way. It kept you on your toes. And I think the people that stuck with us throughout the conference, uh, at first they were kind of like, okay, what's going on here? This has to be a, a very poorly run village. But, but then as, as they got to know the Manei, Okay, I guess this is kind of the Monero community. Not everything fits together in the perfect puzzle piece. You know, we're not trying to go for a squeaky clean image where everybody uh, can, uh, you know, like an ICO business startup image where we have it all together. But that's that's the great thing is that we're all moving forward together and and we take the punches as they come. We roll with them and improve. That was one of the that was one of the highlights for me. You did a great job as floor manager. I tried, dude. We're hurting a bunch of cats who were drunk. It was good. Yeah, as a as a as a as a funny story that, that I I'd like to tell. Um, that that kind of highlights this. Uh, so <laughs> so day day one of the conference, day one of our village, there was like it's eight minutes before the opening talk. Eight minutes before the opening talk, and I'm looking at the agenda, and it says opening opening speech to be determined. And I'm like, oh goodness, who 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 is doing this? And I start asking around. I'm like, does, does anybody know who's doing this, dude? Are you doing this? Are you doing this? Nobody knows. Because guys aren't there. Michael's not there. A lot of people aren't there. I'm like, who who is getting this done? And nobody knows who's doing it. And so it was like two minutes before our village is supposed to start, and I'm like, all right. I'll, I'll get up and give the speech, and I did, and it ended up being okay. You know, it kind of turned into a and a and it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, but I don't know that that was that's a very fun memory for me. Just that that mo those couple of moments of panic where nobody knows anything, and and we're at the very beginning, and we're right about to start. So that that was a, that was hilarious for me. Decentra Decentralization has its downsides. <laughs> Okay. Honestly, guys, I think it. I mean, I think you have this point of view partly because you were aware of uh, everything going on backstage, so you were aware of the lack of organization in some aspect, like this introductory talk and so on. But for anyone just popping up at the village, I think it was great, and I'm not so sure that you could grasp the lack of organization, as you call it. Honestly, I think it was sometimes very slick. The quality of the presentations were like really awesome I, I was really impressed myself i'm sad that i missed some um so i'm looking forward to the recordings being re released but uh, honestly it was a great job for you know our very first year at defcon um yeah i think you you guys are a bit too hard with yourselves 
Aww. Aww, st- stop it. Binary face. Just, you, you... <laughs> no, no, it's true. I mean, it, it was, uh, for me, the, the, the two things that were, well, the few things that, you know, stood apart was the, um, uh, I was really impressed with the dedication, uh, professionalism of, um, you know, many Monero community members that were taking part in the organization or just were at the village at that time. It was really impressive. There was, a, you know, a real effervescence and uh, it was really shining motivation. And everyone could, you know, feed on the motivation of everyone being around shining motivation. It was just like a self-sustaining um, very healthy process, I think, for a community. And I, I was really, really impressed by that overall. Um, it's not that I like motivation, but if I would, uh, that sort of event is just like wonderful. Uh, so that was one thing. Um, the second was the party. It was just like awesome. <laughs> it was truly awesome party. And uh, I was constantly scratching my head, you know, thinking what happened in four years? I mean, what, what a journey. Uh, because I, I was involved with Monero very, very early on. And it was just like one super teeny project among thousands uh, that were discussed on Bitcoin Talk. And, uh, and a few years later, we were there in, in that crazy evening, crazy night. And uh, for me, it was just like um, a very, you know, a flash. Uh, it was like straight in my face, all the journey, all the, the trip that... Uh, that we went through in those years, and I enjoyed that. Awesome, thank you, Barnary Fate. All right, um, let's see, Ziago and Need Money. Do either of you want to pipe up and give your top highlights of DefCon to you? Uh, honestly, most of it was just chatting with people and discussing ideas. I mean, we discussed the directed acyclic graphing that uh, Ziago talked about um, in person. It, it's a melting pot of things of people just saying like, hey, what do you think about this? And people are trying to actually discuss the ideas and not who's right. I mean, that's that's Monero generally, but uh, there, there are ideas that come up in person that you don't really, can't really get across on an IRC uh, context, I guess. Um, yeah, that, that was my favorite part was just chatting with everybody and having the new ideas swirl around. Yeah, I, I think the, I would resonate with what Need Money's saying, uh, being able to meet in person and, and talk in person. And a lot of the conversations that we had outside of actual DEF CON, um, were very productive and uh, interesting. And I learned a lot about more about Monero and the Monero community and the different people involved. Um, I also really enjoyed the, of course, the party itself, and particularly the party. I liked the, you know, for for a decentralized organization, I, I really liked the emergent uh, synergy that our community had in, in setting up the party and then kind of cleaning it up and taking everything down. And um, I think the way the party ended, it worked just as well as the way the party began. So uh, that was that was really cool to see that there wasn't, uh, you know, that we we had a kind of emergent teamwork. Um, and I think that res- it comes from the same sort of teamwork that we have in, in building the project and communicating at IRC in these different channels in the first place. I love you guys, man. Yeah. That's what it all comes down to. Monero, 
the cryptocurrency that cares. Of love, man. The cryptocurrency of love. Who, who else can say that? Why else would you put in, like, countless hours of time for no payment when Monero just goes down? Monero's the worst. It really is. Oh, by the way, everyone should buy Ferrara's shirts. Oh, yeah. Can I do a plug? Can I do yeah, a plug? Yeah, yeah. Plug because, I, before right, before you do, shirts, no, before you, you do, I, I won one and I never got it. You won one. Oh, that's yes. right. You need to contact me and I, I will send it to you. That, that's okay. correct. You, you need now to contact me. Now you can me. plug. <laughs> All right, great. So yeah, Justin up to, there, he's got, he's got a shirt. Now go ahead, Diego, and then I'll... Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So go to if you go to cyphermarket.com, uh, C Y P H E R, Justin's gonna put it in the thing like he can always Can you share does. your screen? Is that uh, a thing? Uh, I think you can, but my, my internet connection here is really, really bad. I'm not obviously where I usually am. So Sure, if you want to. Um, so this this actually is an extension of Project FOSS. I don't know which which of you guys remember, but way back when, a few months ago, I st um, I had an idea about Project FOSS, where getting the Monero community to kind of donate to not just Monero projects, but to other open source projects that we support and we really like, and would also per uh, further privacy or security, or just offering good uh, good quality open source software uh, as as a as a way to um, get the Monero community involved and bring the ethos of open source to a lot of uh, Monero people that may not otherwise know it. I know that I wasn't an open source before Monero, uh, and I know that many people don't don't know those things. And so, kind of as a way to get involvement going. Unfortunately, I made that proposal like as Monero was dropping and dropping and dropping, so people's wallets got tighter and tighter and tighter. And uh, so. Like that was not the ideal time to launch, and I I still want to do something in that that vein, but I had to rethink my strategy. I had to think, okay, like how how can I accomplish something very similar, basically accomplish the same thing, but make it sustainable? So it's not just individuals giving stuff. And so my idea kind of shifted to businesses. How can we incentivize businesses to give a percentage? And I you know I was inspired because there's some mining pools that will donate a percentage to the Monero general fund and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, and I do know that maybe some businesses will, will offer a discount for Monero or whatever. So I'm like, what, what could it look like for a business to maybe pledge 1% of its profits to an open source project, almost like adopt an open source project type thing. And so I, I decided to, um, I decided to uh, try to spearhead this by uh, setting the example. So I made uh, cyphermarket.com, which is now on our screen. Thank you, SGP. And you can go to cyphermarket.com and anything that you purchase there. Right now it's merchandise. Um, <clears throat> anything that you purchase there, of the profit, 45% goes to the designer who designed the thing. So that's because uh, I, I like to support designers as well. We've got people like Monera and uh, Baltzar and Andres and stuff who, who are uh, putting some different t-shirts up on here. So 45% goes to the designer. 45% goes to the open source project that is on the merchandise. So we've got MRL merchandise. If you purchase one of those MRL shirts, then uh, 45% goes to the form funding systems of Saray and Sarang when they're going to put them up. Or Moneruyo, we've got some of their stuff up there. We are actually getting Cake Wallet up there fairly soon. And here's a little bit of a spin. Veracrypt, I just talked with the guy uh, yesterday, and he has given the okay. We're going to be putting some Veracrypt 
uh, merchandise up here very soon within the next few days and purchasing that will go, um, the proceeds will go straight to their donation fund. So <clears throat> only 10% goes to Cypher Market. We're giving 90% away, 45% uh, to designers and 45% to the open source project. And I understand that you can't ask every business to give so much money because they want to live. And, you know, obviously I don't, I'm not in this in particular for the money, so I can't afford to do that. But uh, just kind of just kind of uh, setting an example for other businesses, like let's let's what if we can give one percent of profits, two percent, five percent, whatever you can give of profits uh, to the form funding system, to open source projects, to the general fund, to whatever. And it doesn't just have to be Monero so that way we can get people on board to make to continue open source projects who struggle a lot of times um, <clears throat> so they can, we can continue producing quality stuff. Uh, quality open source stuff. And we can, in the case of Monero, we can see proposals funded uh, sooner and faster and more consistently. Uh, so that that's kind of my thinking. So go to cyphermarket.com, purchase all of the things. You can follow it at on the Twitter, on the whatever, at cyphermarket. Uh, and that that's my little plug there by all my things. Uh, Binary Fate, contact me. I'll give you a free, free shirt. Yeah, so uh, Diego, I'm going to interrupt just so that the screen capture um the screen capture appears um actually real quick let me just quit out of that um okay so yeah the, now that i'm talking you should be able to see the screen capture of cypher market you can see there's a nice little dog here super cute there's a lot of collections i of course like the manero research lab shirts that they have here got these as soon as i could the prices are incredibly reasonable and yeah, there's, there's a ton of things for you to support. Um, it looks like, like Diego already mentioned that, that he's adding other services. There's currently things for just Encrypt Everything, Covery, Monero, Monero, and Monero Research Lab, but the intent is to add more, and I think this is generally a great way to get a great shirt and also have a small contribution to whatever project you're interested in promoting anyway, because if you're going to buy a Monero Research Lab shirt, you probably care a little bit about the Monero Research Lab, so it's great to have a little bit of money go that way too. So I just wanted to quickly show off uh, really what this looks like. Um, but yeah, cyphermarket.com, it's Diego's initiative, um, and I think he's doing generally a good job with it now. Of course, he forgot to send Binary Fate the shirt that he needed, but I'm sure he can write that wrong. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And I'm currently wearing one of the Monero, uh, the Monero Research Lab shirts. Super awesome. Looks super sweet. Highly recommend to purchase. Very inexpensive. Support the Monero Research Lab. Give Aaron more of your money so he can go on more plane trips above Las Vegas. He really needs it. I want to make it very, very clear. Although I did fly above Las Vegas, the community did not fund that. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to throw you under the bus for that. <laughs> Thanks. Yes, I did go and like rent a small airplane out of pocket, fly over the Hoover Dam. Uh, so, so last thing, of, of course you can, you, you can pay in Monero using uh, SirHack's awesome Monero integration stuff. You can also play, uh, pay via Globy with the other things like Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, all those other things that I don't care about. They settle into Monero. So I, I receive Monero and I pay all of my designers who uh, are putting their designs up on here with Monero. So basically everything uh, I, I try to be true to the ethos as much as possible and the things that I do believe in. So everything in terms of my handling the money and giving money to other people and stuff is all done in Monero. So basically you can consider this as a business that is uh, paying freelancers 
in Monero and uh, paying myself in terms of the 10% in Monero and uh, all this stuff is, is happening in Monero, using Monero as it's supposed to be used as a currency. Sweet. I mean, I, I use the, the payment processor. It was very seamless. <laughs> Took a zero confirmation, which is great for a $15 item. Um, yeah. Any other last thoughts that people want to give before we sort of wrap up this coffee chat generally? Um, yeah, just um, just a quick announcement that, um, you know, DEFCON is the largest hacker gathering in the world. The second largest is the Chaos uh, Communication Congress in Germany. End of December, it's uh, typically always between Christmas and New Year's Eve. Uh, and we had a teeny Monero presence two years ago. It was just uh, Oti, Fluffy Pony, and I. And last year, though, it was a bit more important. We had the uh, tables. We could organize a bit. Uh, Michael was there with the hardware wallet. Uh, Need Money was there. Uh, I was there. There were, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 Monero people around. It was certainly not as organized as DEFCON. Uh, we have maybe a couple of presentations. It was great, though. Uh, yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the idea is that um, we basically ramp up and for the next uh, edition in this December, we try to get something um, more similar to what we were able to uh, pull out for DEFCON. And to start organizing all that, we would um, have an IRC meeting in just one week from now. So same time, uh, same day, that's 17 UTC on Saturday. Um, I'll post uh, that on Reddit and so on. So it would be nice if anyone that is, you know, tempted by the possibility to go would attend that meeting. And also, even if you know that you cannot make it, but you took part in the DEFCON organization, it would be really good to get your feedback um, and all your opinions on how to conduct things. It will be a sort of meta meetings to just see how we start organizing. So uh, yeah, anyone interested or willing to contribute, uh, please attend that. That would be nice. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. I'll add it to the community calendar. Let me share a link to that too. But um, I'll be there because it sounds really exciting. I hope that we have a similar showing too. Awesome. Yeah, I'll be there too. Okay. Um, any last minute thoughts? Like literally last minute thoughts here. <laughs> All right. Um, well, sorry, go ahead. Nothing. Okay, sorry. Um, well, thanks again for making it. Everyone here, of course, who was able to participate in this Jitsi chat. Thank you all the community members for watching on YouTube. We're glad to have your questions, be able to answer some of those, and just speak, give you a better idea of how DEFCON went, especially if you couldn't. It was really a great opportunity to help bring the Monero community together, introduce a lot of people, see them firsthand, especially a lot of the contributors that had been there for a long time. It was just a great sort of, it was just great to have a conversation where you, the person you're speaking to and everyone you speak to already knows what ring signatures, stealth address and ring CTR. Like it really creates a great environment. Imagine if all of your local meetups had everyone already knowing what Monero was and just how awesome that generally is. All right, so I'm gonna wrap it up. Uh, again, thank you for joining our coffee chat. The next one is, 
uh, sometime in September. We'll set the dates up for that soon. And um, make sure you attend on next Saturday the CCC planning event on Monero Community if you're interested, just like Binary Fate brought up. He'll have a post coming up later. All right. Thanks, everyone, and uh, have a great rest of your Sunday.